Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians with me this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Thank you, Brother Mark. Thank you, musicians. Praise God for wonderful, wonderful godly music. And can I tell you it will be worth it all? But it's also worth it all now, unless we forget the goodness of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did drink of that same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. I want to talk to you this morning about the rod, the rock, and the redeemed. I want us to look back into the Old Testament. We're going to turn to Numbers in just a little while after we pray. And I want us to have a very clear vision of Jesus Christ this morning. I want us to see a couple of things, maybe some things you haven't seen before from Scripture. I want us to grow a bit scripturally. And I want every person here to know what it is to drink of that same spiritual rock, which is Jesus Christ. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to help us today. Lord, we need you. Lord, I need your help this morning. Lord, I pray that you would work mightily in this place. Lord, I pray for your power. I pray for your spirit and endowment. Lord, on every person. Lord, I pray that you would use your word mightily and powerfully in the hearts of every person gathered in this place. Lord, I pray if there be one here this morning that knows you not as Savior, that, Lord, today they would see their need. And, Lord, they would see that you are the provision, the rock which followed them in the wilderness, that same rock that would come to be the cornerstone, the same one that would come to be the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Just as that rock was smitten in the wilderness, Lord, you were smitten and placed upon a tree, and died a gory death to pay my price so that I might be redeemed. Lord, may we look to you this morning. God, help me. I need your help today to be able to speak. Lord, I need your direction in my heart and my mind. Lord, I pray that you would receive glory and praise for the time we spend looking in your book today. In your precious name we pray, amen. Would you turn back into the Old Testament with me to the book of Numbers? Some of you are scared that we're going to do math this morning, but I promise we're not. Numbers chapter 20, Numbers chapter 20, verses 7 through 13. We see here in Numbers, and we're reminded of in the book of 1 Corinthians, of the beautiful typology of Christ. This is a beautiful type of our blessed Redeemer, Paul said, and that rock. That rock was Christ. In the book of Numbers, chapter 20, in verse 7, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation, and there be strength. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock. Twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast also. 
And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believe me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore ye shall not bring this congregation in the land which I have given them. This is the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was sanctified in them. We find two passages in the Bible that that rock, the rock that the Bible says followed them, that rock that was Christ that gave forth water. The first time God would come to Moses and tell him to smite the rock. And he would do so and water would come forth and all the nation of Israel there in the wilderness could have water. We just got done reading the second time that God came to Moses and God told him the second time at at a later date to speak to the rock and yet he disobeyed God. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but I want to share a couple of things from the Bible, just some thoughts, some things that we see as we look at these elements this morning and are reminded God permitted Moses to see his form as he put Moses in the cleft of a rock. Moses said to God, God, let me see you. And God said, no, no man has seen me at any time and lived. And God placed Moses in the cleft of a rock. And God passed by Moses and covered him with his hand. And as he passed by, God removed his hand. And Moses could see his form as he walked away. It was there in the rock that Moses would see the form of God. Moses would describe God as a rock in Deuteronomy chapter 32. The rock is referred to nine times in Deuteronomy 32. It is not something that is just a random thought. More than 20 books of the Bible, 20 of the 66, refer to the rock or a rock. It would be David who would take a smooth rock, a stone from the brook, and kill Goliath. It was a rock, a stone that would be rolled to cover the tomb of our lovely Lord when he would be laid in that borrowed tomb. Jesus referred to a house in Luke chapter 6, a house that was built upon a rock. In these passages, in Numbers 20, and we can look back and see the other passages there, and in 1 Corinthians we have the reference to it. We've singled out today a very unique rock, many rocks in the Bible. By the way, it was Cain that would take up a rock and slay his brother. But another rock, a very special rock we read about in the book of Numbers, that rock, Paul told us, was Christ. That reference. We're going to look at three things, and you see them on the screen already. Very simply, we're going to look at the rod, the rock, and the redeemed. But before we get to that rock, and I want to talk about it, I'm excited to talk about the rock because that rock is Jesus Christ. But I want to talk to you about the rod, number one. Turn back to Exodus chapter 17 with me, if you will. We're going to look at a lot of scripture this morning. Exodus chapter 17. And it says in verse 1, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink, wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. Now imagine that. Where's Moses going to get water? I mean, think how ridiculous that is. We're not talking about infants or small children. We're talking about full-grown adults. Hey, Moses, give us some water. Moses had no water. That's how ridiculous God's people were. It goes on to tell us here, uh, and the people thirsted there for water. The people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this, that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and 
thy rod. That's important. Those two words are very important. We see this. And thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon a rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa, and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The people had a pretty bad attitude. The people were upset. They were focused on themselves. They're looking for somebody to blame, someone to be angry with. When they were back in Egypt, they could be angry with Pharaoh. When they're back in Egypt, they could be angry with their taskmasters. But now they're looking for somebody else, and they found Moses. And they were thirsty. They were discouraged. They were angry. And Moses said, Lord, I love this. What am I going to do to this people? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he was hoping God would say, you know, when they're sleeping, just beat them in the head. Uh, just take and whack them. Uh, just whack them real hard. Maybe hit the reset button. But that's not what he said. Can I tell you that when you're in trouble, when I'm in trouble, the wisest thing I can do is cry unto the Lord? Amen. We need to get back to crying unto God, realizing he hears us. Psalm 107 reminds us of that. We see in verse 5 and 6 in that text in Exodus 17, and the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with thee the elders of Israel. And notice those two words again. It's going to be important in a moment. Thy rod. Wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon a rock in Horeb. And thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. We see one of the greatest miracles in the Old Testament. We have people that are thirsty. I believe they were thirsty unto death. Literally, I think they were very close to death. And God gave them water in a place where there was no water. Miraculously. Water from a rock of all places. But we notice in that incident, we see some things about the rod. As we think about the rod, we see in this passage, it's called thy rod. Thy rod. It was Moses' rod. I've got back in my office, leaning in the corner of my office, I've got a, a wooden rod uh, that I used years ago at our junior camp as I preached about uh, Moses and Moses' rod and uh, it's, it's mine. It's, it's, it's my rod. It's in there uh, for protection in case Colton messes with me. I can take my rod and protect myself. Uh, most likely it's there because I'm always hurting myself, and if I fall again, I need something to lean on. But that's, that's my rod back there. It's my Moses rod. Moses had a rod. We read about Moses when God called him. God said to Moses, what is that in thine hand? And Moses said, that's a rod. <laughs> you never seen one, Lord? And God said to Moses, Moses, cast it on the ground. And Moses did. When he did, it became a serpent. He told Moses, then, I want you to grab the serpent by the tail. And when he did, the serpent became a rod again. It was that rod that Moses would hold when he would go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. It was the same rod that Moses would hold over the Red Sea and God would part the Red Sea. It was Moses' rod. Now, God would use it, but it was Moses' personal rod. That's why God called it thy rod. It was the rod that he carried in his hand. It was a rod, by the way, that represented the rod of law. It would represent the rod of authority. It was Moses' rod. It was a rod designed that designated Moses as the leader. It was a rod that would stand as God's approval 
on Moses and his leadership. Now we've, we're, gonna, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but that rock, of course, represented Christ. And that rock here in Exodus 17, 16 says, Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock with what? With Moses' rod, with his rod. And there shall come water out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So here we see in that picture, and the picture of the scene we have uh, on the screen this morning, we see Moses taking his authority, his sign of the law, his sign of God's approval, and going before the rock and striking the rock and water coming forth. And all the people, all the people drinking of the water that came forth from the rock. Can I tell you that it is a picture of Jesus Christ who would go to the cross of Calvary and be smitten for you and be smitten for me. Moses used the rod of law, the law by which Christ was smitten. Romans 3.20, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Romans 3.28 says, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. The law could not save. Can I tell you, if the law could save, God is an idiot. So, Pastor, that's not very nice to say. I'm sorry, if the law could save, why would Jesus come and die? That would be kind of stupid, wouldn't it? That'd be kind of ridiculous. That, that would be useless. That would be pointless. That would be absolutely ridiculous. The law could not save. The law has never been able to save. The law never will be able to save. The law had to be smitten. Jesus was nailed to that tree. The law could only make the knowledge of sin. It was the law that caused Adam to go, hey, hey, we're naked. We got to hide from God because God's coming. God's always here, and he's going to find out what we've done. That's all law could do. All law could do was tell Adam that he was a sinner. All law can do is tell us, I don't measure up to God's standard. The law, the Bible says, is our schoolmaster. A schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It can only point to sin. Sin must be atoned for through the shedding of blood. Thus the lamb sacrificed on the day of atonement. Can I tell you that Moses, holding his rod, the rod, the rod of rule and law and authority, walked up to that rock, and if you read the scripture plainly in Exodus, God said to Moses, Moses, I want you to go to that rock. Something we often miss, God said, I'm going to be there on the rock. And then I want you to smite the rock, Moses. I know that Moses could not see God. But you understand in that picture and in God's word when Moses took that rod and he smote that rock more than figuratively but in a very real way he was smiting the Lord of glory. Jesus, the Bible says, is that rock. We see the rod. That was Moses' rod. We read in the book of Numbers the second event. In the second event involving the rod and the rock and the redeemed, Moses was supposed to speak to the rock. He was not supposed to smite the rock. Now, as we think about that, I want you to turn back there with me to Numbers 20, and I want you to see something that maybe you've never seen before. Something I want us to think about this morning in Numbers chapter 20 as we think about the rod. We saw in Exodus, God said, Moses, take thy rod. Now Numbers chapter 20. 
in verse 9. And Moses took the rod. Notice that. Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him. Notice the words there, the rod. So, Pastor, what's the big deal? When God told Moses to smite the rock, he said, Moses, take your rod. Take thy rod. Now it's the rod. What's the difference? We need to look, and we won't read it together, but in verses 1 through 6, we get a clue of where they were and what was going on. In verse 6, it says that Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly, notice this, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. So question for you. Where was Moses, where were Moses and Aaron when God said, take the rod? Where were they? In the sanctuary, right? In the tabernacle. They, they were there in the, the tabernacle in the wilderness. Uh, they were in that temple, if you will, that portable temporary temple that moved around with them that God called the tabernacle. It was in that place that God was speaking to Moses and to Aaron about bringing water to them. Where were they in verse 7? The Lord spake unto Moses. They were in the tabernacle. That's where they were. What does God tell them to do in verse 8? God's speaking to Aaron and Moses here. Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rocks, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beast drink. What rod is this? God doesn't say, hey, Moses, take your rod. In the tabernacle, God said to Moses and to Aaron, take the rod. Thy rod was Moses' rod, the rod of authority, the rod of law. I believe this rod we read about here in Numbers was the rod of Aaron. It was the priestly rod. The rod that had budded. It was that holy rod. It was not Moses's. It was God's. As God said, Moses and Aaron, I want you to take my rod there. Don't take yours. You take the priestly rod. Take it here out of the tabernacle. A rod that was to be only under the supervision of God and God's priest. In Numbers 20, verses 8 and 9, it's no longer the rod of the law that is supposed to go to the rock. It's the rod of priestly authority. And by the way, it was not a rod that was to smite the rock. It was a rod that was to go as they were to speak to the rock. In verse 8, God tells Moses to speak to the rock. Verse 9, Moses took the rod from before the Lord. Moses took the priestly rod, the rod of, of priestly authority. Verse 10, Moses speaks to the congregation and he says, Must we fetch you water again out of this rock? In other words, Moses said, You want to see me do it again? You want me to impress you again? You want me to work my magic again? You want to see what I can do again? We see here he was seeking self-glory. In verse 11, he smote the rock with that priestly rod, not speaking to it as God had commanded. In verse 12, God pronounces judgment upon Moses. That one event in the life of Moses caused Moses from ever going into the promised land. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Here's what happened. Moses took the priestly rod and used it 
in a manner that disobeyed God. He used it for his glory, for his benefit. How often do we do the same thing? How often do we try to take God's glory and the things of God and use them for our benefit? How often do we take that which God gives us to use for him and we commit the same sin as Moses? We commit, God has committed to us that which he wants to use us to give to be used for his glory and we keep it for ourselves. God gives us talents that he wants us to use for the Lord and yet we squander them and use them for ourselves rather than for the Lord. Same thing Moses did. Same thing Moses did. We refuse to use what God has given us for him and rather we use them for ourselves. Can I tell you that God will not overlook lightly your misuse of the priestly rod in your life? God will not lightly overlook you and I taking that which is his and that which belongs to him and using it the way we decide to use it. Can I tell you this building is nothing more than a building, but it's God's building. It's a place where we meet. It's a place where God's church meets. Because of that, it's a holy place. It's sanctified unto the Lord. Exodus 39, 37 says, Seven days shall thou make the atonement for the altar and sanctify it. And it shall be an altar most holy. Whatsoever touches the altar shall be holy. Can I tell you, in that way, everything that we give to the Lord is holy. It truly belongs to him and is holy. And may we treat it as such. May, may we use it as such. May we honor it as such. We need to make sure that we realize that everything that is his is holy. Daniel chapter 5 says Belshazzar and his crowd died. Why? Because they took that which is holy and defiled it. Here's the point. As we think about the rod, we see Moses' rod, thy rod. That's when he smote the rock, a picture of the authority and the law smiting Jesus Christ. Then we have God's rod. The ironic rod. We have the rod of the priest. The holy rod. Smiting. The Lord was not to be smitten twice, only once. Moses took that which God commanded him to use as he was to hold it and speak, and yet he misused it. Acts 9.15 says, But the Lord said to him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. Dear friend, can I tell you, as God said about Paul years ago, you're a chosen vessel. We're chosen vessels. God wants to use us. 2 Timothy 2.21, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared to every good work. 1 Peter 3.7, likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as in the weaker vessel, as being heirs together the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. What's the lesson for me and you today? I believe we need to realize the importance of God's vessels, God's tools, Moses did not listen to God, and God judged him harshly. But it's just a, it's just a stick. <laughs> I mean, what's the big deal? It was God's stick. It was God's stick. Dear friend, you and I better be careful that we not think we lift ourselves above God's sticks, God's tools, that which God has sanctified unto himself. God stripped Aaron and Moses of their glory and of their honor. We won't take time to look there, but we see Aaron's judgment in Numbers 20, verses 23 through 29. We see Moses was judged in Deuteronomy 34, verses 1 through 8. Don't make the same mistake. 
By the way, the reason it was so vital that he not smite the rock the second time is because Jesus died once for all. Once for all. Only once. Number two, we talked about the rod this morning. Can I speak just for a few moments about the rock? Turn back to Exodus chapter 17 with me. Exodus 17, verse 15, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take thine hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Can I tell you, Moses was to smite that rock. Many, many years later, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus, raised in the carpenter's home. Jesus, the one who went about doing good. Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher. Jesus, the one who would preach by the seashore. Jesus, the one who fed the thousands. Jesus, the one who did miracles. Jesus, the one who would not condemn, but rather gave his love. Jesus, the water of life. Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus, the I am that I am. would have his hands tied upon a crude post in the courtyard as evil men would take a whip, a cat of nine tails, and smite him. Those same men would take the body broken and shredded of our lovely Lord and hammer nails into his legs into his hands as they would nail him to a cross. They would lift that cross up in the air and drop it down in the socket and every bone would come out of joint. And that same lovely Lord, the same one that was the rock in the wilderness would be smitten on Calvary for you and for my sin, for your sin. Moses was to smite the rock. 1 Corinthians 10, 4, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock with Christ. There's no question. That picture we see this morning on the screen is a picture that is a picture of what would happen, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. A picture of his shed blood. A picture of the judgment of sin of all humanity. A picture of redemption. A picture that would please God that his son be smitten for the sins of the world, as the Bible tells us. It pleased God that his son be offered as a sacrifice for all humanity. It pleased God that his son shed his blood for the atonement of the sin of the world. It pleased God that his son shed his blood for the sins of Brian Rice. If you're saved this morning, you put your name there. It pleased God that he shed his blood for you. It pleased God that he took his son and he became judgment for us. As God would say from heaven, the day that Jesus was baptized, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We see that in Exodus, Moses was to smite the rock. A picture of Jesus who was smitten for you. By the way, you may say this morning, Pastor, I had nothing to do with Jesus' death. I don't even believe in him. I have nothing to do with it. Can I tell you whether you believe it or not? The great love of God said, I love you so much 
that I'll die for your sin. I'll take all the sin you could ever commit and I'll place it on my son and he'll be smitten for you. Moses was to smite the rock in that we have the picture of the rock who is Christ, the rock who is our Savior. But in the book of Numbers, Moses was to speak to the rock. It says in our text, and we've read it already, but I'll read it again quickly. Take thy rod and gather the assembly. Take the rod and gather the assembly together, thou and Aaron, thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation their beast drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord. As he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said to them, Here now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank of their beast. It's a fundamental doctrine found in this event here. The smite in the rock pictures the crucifixion. To smite the rock again would be to crucify him again. The Bible speaks of that in the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 6, if they shall fall away, to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Can I tell you to crucify the Lord again would be to put him to shame? Moses' taking of the rod of God and smiting the rock the second time was to put it to open shame. There are those who believe that Jesus must be crucified over and over again. Say, Pastor, why would they believe that? Well, if they believe that they can lose their salvation, obviously his, his death wasn't enough. We have to kill him again. He has to rise again. And if I lose, if I lose my salvation, then yeah, we've got to do it again. Uh, we've got to kill him again. We've got to crucify him again. He's got to rise again, again. The Bible says that's ridiculous. It's open shame. That's why he was not to smite the rock the second time. God became very angry. So what's the big deal? Speak to the rock, smite the rock. It's a rock. No. It was Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 9 says, Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. And death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. Once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. God told Moses, speak to the rock. He spoke to the people and he smote the rock. He disobeyed. Moses, I believe, thought speaking wasn't enough. I think it was a sin of unbelief. I was, I've been here before, God. I Remember that time you told me to take my rod and I smote the rock and the water came out? I know what it takes to get the water out of this rock. You know, speaking to it's not going to do it. you gotta, you got to hit it. you got to smite it. Moses failed to realize the consequence of minimizing the word of God. Christian, don't minimize the word of God. Notice the preciseness of God's, not man's, of God's expectation of obedience. James 2, verse 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. How many of you like taking tests when you were in school? I like tests. I was a weirdo. How many of you hated taking tests when you were in school? How many of you, if you passed the test, that was good enough? All that mattered, you passed. How many of you, you wanted to at least get a B? That, that was your hope. 
How many of you, if you didn't get an A, you were mad? Uh, a couple of you. Uh, you know, imagine if there's a hundred questions on a test and you get every question right, every one of them. I mean, one through 99, every question right, the very last question. It's a small question, and you get it wrong. And the next day, you get your grades back, and they give you your paper, and you see that you got all the questions right except for one. You missed one, and you look at the top of your page, and you got 0% F. You go, hold on a minute. <laughs> I got, I got 99 right. I only missed one. A lot of us, we hold our life up to God and say, God, I got 99 right. God, I'm so good. I, I'm, I'm pretty much the best person I know, Lord. I mean, I'm, I'm moral. I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm good to my family. I, I don't kick the dog. Uh, I've never robbed a bank. I, I've never killed anybody. I'm not sure why that is a measure of how good we are, but that's what we do. In our, God, I've never killed anybody. I've never, I've never done some horrible crime. I'm pretty good, God. I got 99 right things, and God says you got one wrong. All of them. You see, God's expectation of perfection. Moses failed here. It's necessary that we as God's children today Understand the importance of unbelief. Moses, although he believed the Lord, he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. He went through all of that. Even Moses came to a place of, I don't think speaking to it's going to be enough. Even though God told him that's what to do. There was some unbelief involved in Moses. God will never share his glory with humanity. All glory is God's. We realize that. The sooner we realize that, the better off we're going to be. Moses got the rod of God and said, Must I give you water again? Notice I'm holding the rod of God here. He wanted the glory of God. A lot of times that's what we want. God still gave results despite Moses' disobedience. It tells us in verse 11, And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast also. Looking at the results... Seems like smiting the rock was the right thing to do, right? No. You see, God gave the people water in spite of Moses. God brought forth water to give his thirsty children drink, not because of Moses smiting the rock. God gave them water that God might be glorified, not for Moses and not for Aaron. Just because we see results does not mean we're obedient. Can I tell you across our city right now, in the city of Edmonton, there are large gatherings of people in false religion gathering together, much larger crowds than we have here today. Successful, you would say, ministry as the world would see it. But that doesn't mean what they're preaching or hearing is right. God gave results here, not because of Moses. By the way, Christian, may I warn you to look at God and God's purpose in every aspect of your life. Not to look at results Man, what are we are we seeing some results here? Then we must have we must man, we must be exactly what God wants. Can I tell you God will be glorified? And God will glorify himself. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. 
That means if you love the Lord, you're obedient to the Lord, you're faithful to the Lord, rain will fall on your crops. If you hate God, deny God, curse God, that same rain's going to fall on yours. We need to stop looking for a measuring stick of God's approval. We need to realize we already have a measuring stick in Jesus Christ, the Word who became flesh. Moses was a failure. Why? Because he disobeyed God. But, But water came out, but he disobeyed God. God gave the water because God wanted to bless his people. And lastly, I want to spend just a few moments speaking about this morning, the redeemed. The redeemed. In verse 11, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank. When the rock was smitten, water came forth. John 19, 34, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. And forthwith came there out blood and water. In John 4, 13, Jesus answered and said, her, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again. Whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be unto him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. When a person believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit dwells inside that person. The smitten rock brought forth water for the children of Israel. And can I tell you, the smitten Christ brings forth the water of life for everyone who believes. I am redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I am redeemed by the smitten rock of Calvary. Even though there was enough water for all to drink and all to have plenty, the truth here is that salvation is enough. It's enough. It's enough. By the way, dear friend, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's enough for you today. It's enough for you. The truth given here is salvation is for all who believe. No one's no one's refused. All can have eternal life if they will believe. If you'll see yourself this morning, understand, you have no hope. There's nothing good you can go to God and say, okay, God, I'm a pretty good person. Here's what I've got. I'll give you my life. Nothing good about it. You see your life as useless and hopeless without Christ. See yourself in your sin. Understand that you have no hope. Aside from the wonderful gift of God, the smitten Christ, and simply believe. There is no other way, there is no other hope, there is no other help. It's a wonderful old song, and I don't have much voice this morning. But a song that I love, there is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that blood. Lose all their guilty states. John 14, verse 4 says, Whosoever shall drink of this water shall never thirst again. It's permanent satisfaction, permanent salvation. Because the rock was smitten, dear friend, on Calvary, you and I can be redeemed forever. If you're one of the redeemed today, You can sing and praise him for it. If not, you can be one of the redeemed. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed. Redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed. Redeemed. His child and forever I am. I'm redeemed by the blood of Christ. And it's enough for you today. It's enough for all. Have you been to that smitten rock for redemption? Has there been a time when you made a journey in your mind and your heart to a bloody cross on a hill where a Savior died for you 
to an empty tomb where he lay and understand that he is on the right hand of God the Father even now. And whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you a part of the redeemed? You can be. Moses smote the rock in the book of Exodus. Water came out. The only people who didn't drink were the ones who didn't want to. Can I tell you, if you don't accept Christ, if you don't believe on him, that's on you. That's not on him. God says if we believe not, we're condemned already. This morning, can I tell you that the Lamb of God was smitten for you on Calvary. And he paid your price that you might believe. Would you trust him today, Christian? Would you look in your hand and think, man, am I holding God's rod? Am I doing with something God wants me to do something else with? Am I using God's purpose for mine? Or am I obeying him? May we live to honor Christ. May we live to obey him, not to see, well, this happened, this good thing, it must be okay. No. May we seek obedience above all. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray you'd bless this morning. I thank you for the time that we can pause. Lord, to look at that picture in our mind's eye in the wilderness of sin so many years ago. As all those people who had left slavery, who had seen your victory as you brought them through the bottom of the Red Sea on dry ground, as you swallowed up their enemies behind them, as you fed them with manna, as you provided for their needs, Lord, they saw again that you provided for their thirst. Lord, that woman at the well years ago was thirsty. Lord, it was not just physical thirst. It was a spiritual thirst that could only be filled by the water of life. Lord, it may be here this morning. There's one that is thirsty spiritually. One here this morning that knows you not as Savior. One here this morning that has never called upon you, believed on you. And Lord, maybe even now in their heart, they know that they need a Savior. They know maybe for the first time that you came and you died for them, that you were buried and you rose again. Lord, I pray that they would take of the water of life. Lord, I pray as Christians that we would see ourselves and we would see how often we take that which is holy, how often we take that which belongs to you and use it for ourselves. God, may we not be guilty of the same thing that Moses was guilty of. May we not try to steal your glory. Lord, we worship you, the smitten rock. We, the redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, we praise you. Lord, would you work in our hearts this morning. May your will be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.